0: Dan and Corey here, welcoming you in to Libserved. The great fundamental issue now before our people.
1: We, the people, cannot stand back.
0: All right, welcome in to Libservative, the show that uses uh, the nonsense of the news cycle to foster political and cultural literacy. He, of course, is Corey Walsh.
1: He's Dan Griffin.
0: What a week it's been, Corey. I'm I'm actually upset about tonight's show. I, part of me didn't even want to do it because Why? of the giant elephant Why, in the room. Why, Dan? Why
1: are you upset?
0: Because of the giant elephant in the room, which we'll get to. Donald Trump announcing, and you'll find out why I don't even really care about that. Like I don't really have any feelings or emotions either way to the fact that Donald Trump is uh, going to be running for president. I would venture to guess you probably don't either, <laughs> but we'll get there. Um, we have our reasons to to discuss this. We're going to try and take it a little bit of a different direction. We are going to take a look at something that we kind of put off for, I would say, a few weeks now which was this uh, this article by uh, Emily Oster in The Atlantic over Halloween having to do with COVID amnesty. And I think one of the reasons we put this off, or at least one of the reasons I wanted to put this off, is because I wanted some time to cool down <laughs> and really <laughs> really consider uh, what she was saying in that piece, because there's a lot of reactionary nonsense to it. Uh, we're going to talk about Ukraine updates. Uh, it's a, a deadly t- uh, two-person murder. In, uh, in uh, what would that be? Eastern Poland. Um, and uh, we're feeling a little bit better about that. And the police need policing again, Corey Walsh. But before we I get do. to any of that, tell the people where they can find us. Okay. <laughs> you didn't have it in front of you. You weren't even ready for that.
1: Libservative Podcast is found on all social media podcast platforms. Our website is podpage.com slash Libservative. And we can be found at Libservative on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Instagram and Twitter at pod. And you can find our transcripts at libservativepodcast.wordpress.com. Our TikTok videos can be found at libservativepodcast, and you can reach out directly at libservativepod at gmail.com. Subscribe today!
0: Subscribe today. I've got some. Uh, we're writing some. We're writing some, some. Some good scripts for some of these. Yeah, we haven't really done a TikTok videos. in a while. Um, but anyway, what have you been up to recently, Corey? What are you drinking? What have you been watching, listening to, reading? Oh, you know
1: what I've been listening to. <laughs>
0: That's true, I, mean, I absolutely do. <laughs> You've been listening to the quote-unquote new Beastie Boys. Yeah, that's and the that's not said That's the whitest thing lightly. I've ever heard in my but, life. What'd you say? It's the whitest thing I've heard in my life.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Joey Valance and Bray, these two guys that I was actually looking up. they made it onto Ellen and stuff like that, but these two guys, it, they're the way they carry themselves, their music videos, and the way they sound, it's only a matter of time before Rick Rubin gets his hands on them because they literally sound like the Beastie Boys. And it is a scratch or an itch that I did not know needed scratching. Mm. I've been just pumped listening to these guys the last two days. I'm like, it's one of the, you know, when you find a new band and you're like, like, well, when the fuck are they coming out new music? Why haven't they done it yet? When is their tour? What the fuck you mean they're on tour in Europe? Why aren't they here? I looked into all of it and
0: (laughs) it's like a boil. It's like a boil that you found in your under ass that you didn't know was there. And then once you found it, you had to scratch the shit out of that boil. Had to be had. Had to be had.
1: <laughs> it's not something that I personally can be like, oh yeah, it's just like that. But <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I, I I do get this scratch in my back that I can't reach because of all the metal in my arms.
0: You're not old and enough to have the under ass boils yet.
1: I guess not.
0: <laughs> I just turned thirty four, so it's it's it's.
1: What, there. Do I, what do I got? A year? I mean, I find <laughs> I
0: find I still find pimples in weird. I find pimples in weird areas. I wouldn't say any boils per se, but definitely some. Where'd that come from? Kind of pimples and weird areas.
1: I must ate too much chocolate.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: oh man! And then
1: been uh, right listening to them. Just been watching Mad Men, trying to just knock that out. But in the uh, venture of everything else I'm doing in life, Mm-mm-mm. it's hard to come by. I dangerously started picking up civilization on the Xbox again, and it's not good for anybody.
0: No, it's not. I'm sorry. I'm over here just making my first pour because I'm doing something. Oh, nice. I'm going to
1: pour myself some old uh, Basil Hayden's What I got sitting right here.
0: I'm doing something interesting tonight. I I showed you before we started the show, Corey. I've got like three bottles of bourbons and ryes and whiskeys here that I have like one pour left in them. So I decided let's just just mow through them tonight. I'm actually starting with the Basil Hayden's. I've also got the uh, Woodford Reserve Double Oaked. Not that anybody can see it. And also the... uh, the Bullet 95 rye, which I will be picking up another bottle of because I did not realize how low I was on this, but let's start with the Basil Haydens.
1: Um, is that the Basil Haydens I got you?
0: No. This is a this oh, is nice. finished that one.
1: Oh, Chris he, is here. Look, Chris agrees with me. He said that uh Joy balance, balance and Brayer fire it's conscious society, if you get a chance. He is a small apparel manufacturer here in the Great old mitten, and he's selling shirts that have a good cause, and they give money to uh, societal causes. And we're looking at uh, doing some work with them.
0: And help foster political and cultural literacy.
1: So stay tuned. Well, that's not his tag. You can't just force that on the guy.
0: (laughs) We're going to make him foster political and cultural literacy.
1: We're going to make him do it. It's
0: either that or you're going to Gitmo, Chris. We're sending you to Gitmo. (laughs)
1: Actually, I have I one of his cards right watch. here. Check that out. Gotcha Society.
0: Not yet a partner, but we're working on it.
1: We're working. It's just, we got to just cross some T's and dot some I's. That's all it really is. How's that Basil Hayden's? I'm going to sip on mine.
0: I haven't had it in a while.
1: It's so good.
0: I've been drinking uh, more bourbon lately because I have been, I, I don't know what it is about like watching uh, like a British star, uh, like a, like the, the when the star of a show is, is, a british guy like i just want whiskey i don't know what it is about it so i've been watching uh the new graham hancock show on netflix ancient apocalypse
1: oh my god so my buddy at work has been just fucking like cornering me out and just saying you need to fucking watch this
0: it is very it, 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 it is extremely yeah. interesting i've I, I been on when I'm done here. i've been familiar with graham's work for a while he's kind of like seen as like a pariah in the uh, the uh Science fields and the archaeological fields, but he doesn't claim to be a scientist because he's not. He's a he's a reporter.
1: Yeah, it's when he says, like, "I'm a journalist." Yeah,
0: and so he's uh, he's uh the things he's digging into are to me are, are quite interesting. Like uh, um an apocalyptic apocalyptic event that happened like twelve thousand five hundred years ago. Yeah, so that the wiped the out an old civilization. Yeah,
1: yeah, they found a civilization that's thousands of years older. Than what we originally thought, or whatever. Well, not that would be considered advanced, where they just had actual commerce. You're, you're talking like about that. you're talking
0: about uh, the discovery of Göbekli Tepe in Turkey, which is like the biggest monolith ever made, and they figured out that it was like five thousand years older than the, uh, the 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 previous oldest monolith that they thought they had found. So it just proves that, that no,
1: people the point were that more sophisticated
0: earlier on. But the whole the whole premise of the show is that there was an apocalypse that. Uh, basically, took out an advanced civilization, and he thinks that some of the issues that we see with archaeology, with archaeology, and basically calling Graham Hancock a kook, is that we're, he says that when we when we talk about uh, advanced technology, archaeology is looking for remnants of us, but who's to say that this technology wasn't far different and was and was and then, like it was always the the the, the argument against it is always like well where are the artifacts or well, where's where is this where's that but then that brings up the idea of myths right why is it that every single ancient civilization has a myth from right around the same time of, of a, a great, great flood,
1: flood and, that yeah. they
0: did they never knew any they never knew each other and all the land that was that was taken down like 400 feet of sea level at the end of the last ice age disappeared like almost overnight and so it's interesting. I'm not saying that any of this is real, but it's just, it's very interesting to to dig into it's, and discuss, discuss the possibility.
1: You piqued my interest, Dan. <laughs> I'm not going to give you the credit, though I'm going to give it to Sean at work because mm. he's been... He got into it first or he said, he said it to you first? Oh yeah, he's he'd be someone actually fun to have on the show if we wanted to talk about mythos and legends and all that kind of stuff. If this is something that we could do an offshoot episode on, he'd probably be all about getting on here.
0: Yeah, we could. I would like that. I would very much like that.
1: And you would very much, hmm, it's immediately clear to me that you would like to learn about the ancient civilizations. <laughs> Easy,
0: Jordan Peterson. Uh, or no, Tim Dillon doing Jordan Peterson is what I should say.
1: <laughs> right. It's not immediately clear to me.
0: Oh, man, but we have worse news. Uh, Trump is back, and CNN loves it.
1: They're They're ecstatic. That was probably one of the best nights of viewership that they've had in a long, long time.
0: So this kind of speaks to what I mentioned here to kick off the show, which is that I don't really give a shit about Trump announcing that he's running in 2024. Everybody kind of expected it. They even expected it right around this timeline. So uh, what does it really matter? What I think the important thing is, is how this is covered. If you noticed, the title of tonight's episode is American Politics, Wash, Rinse, Repeat. That is exactly what we're dealing with right now with regards to Donald Trump running for the 2024 republican nomination how do i know this because cory and i were texting back and forth the night of trump's speech at mar-a-lago uh i happen to be watching it on cnn i don't know if you were too were you
1: i was on cnn were you i was going back yeah it, i just if it's just a speech it does i don't think it really matters it which outlet i watch it
0: doesn't really matter but immediately from when cutting away from donald trump's announcement speech not a minute and a half later, did one of those talking head morons—I don't remember which one it was. I think it was the brunette lady, the one that was sitting next to Dana Bash. She's like the only one I can seem to remember her name yeah. at, at this point. Uh, she goes in like a disgusted way. She goes, "We're going to be covering him for the next two years," and like, tongue in cheek way, like. That's that's your network's choice. Like you don't have <laughs> wink, wink. to do that. Not
1: not. Know what I mean? Know what I mean? And that was part of
0: the problem, right? With everything that happened in 2016 was the was the fact that he got all this free media coverage. And now it, it might even be worse because nobody trusts CNN for good reason. So any negative reports about Donald Trump are just going to reinforce his sycophants and maybe. Drive some of the people that moved a little bit away from Trump right back into his arms because they're sick of seeing this nonsense. Now, luckily, we don't have to listen to uh, uh, Don Lemon's sanctimonious dumbass anymore at night. Um, instead we have to listen to the nasally Jake Tamper who doesn't have an opinion of his own regardless so he's just going to regurgitate whatever the hell comes through the wire and <laughs> and, and it's not just CNN right it's, it's going to be it's going to be you know quote unquote independent outlets like the Young Turks it's going to be occupied Democrats we're seeing it already every Dude, all
1: Dude all he did he lives so rent free in so many people's heads that like all he did was announce his presidency where the fucking actual election is two years from no and i was scrolling down occupied democrats like facebook page and it's just like trump 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 mm-hmm. trump trump it's it's just these insane black how people much are in prison
0: with. for drugs but trump gets to walk free like
1: yeah i shared that one with you i was like what does one have about? to do with the other i don't get it like i get he's kind of like like i don't know fucking reach it's it's interesting to me. Uh, Of like, even though we know his game, we know his mantra, like we know how he operates and all of that stuff. Seeing him try to run again for 2024, now granted it is two years ago, there isn't the same knee-jerk reaction, just distaste and distrust, like dis, uh, yeah, disdain, I guess is the word I'm looking for, and distaste, yeah, that's another good one. Mm-hmm. that i had i'm trying to use all these words because like i remember watching this jackass talk four years ago at this point and just you you fucking liar oh my you know i'm just getting all bent out of shape about this guy and it's like now it's just like yeah. i mean you can call it nihilism you can call it uh experience now and following politics for almost 10 years i can't believe it's already almost been 10 years it's been six mm-hmm. jesus like, as closely as I have. And it's just it's just laughable, I guess, at this point. It's just like, <laughs> wash, rinse, repeat. Like, you cleverly put in the title. It's just like, here we go again. This fucking guy. My thing is, though, it's like, it's not the same political landscape that it was four years or six years ago. And he's now, like, before he was a political outsider, now he's a political insider. His campaign is probably gonna be run more like 2016 than 2020.
0: He's got a head start on every other Republican candidate at this point.
1: Oh yeah. He's well, he's already got a 30 like roughly a 30% base of the country that's gonna crawl over broken glass to vote for him.
0: Well, and I hope I hope what you said is correct. Like I, I don't want to move away from all of the things that we said about the midterms last week and all of the reasons why voters, not not the candidates that ran and won, but voters gave us a little bit of hope in the way that they voted. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that can carry over for the next two years, but um, we know that a lot can change. And I don't know how many of these fringes are going to be able to, you know, get get some of these, these culture war, I don't know, culture war centrists, I guess, if you would say, back onto their side because... I still did. I mean, we still saw so much fear mongering, even from our friends and family with regards to this election. We're still looking at it. Right. A lot of it, at least in our area here, because we had the the uh, um, uh, the abortion thing on the ballot. It was, you know, this fear mongering about how the wording was too extreme and, you know, your kids are going to be able to leave their house when they're five years, leave your house when they're five years old, walk into a psychologist and get a sex change. Uh, which is not at all what that initiative was saying. And then on the other side, I had one personally where uh, a lesbian couple that I've known for a long time, a long time, not going to name any names, but she posted something on social media that I won't say it offended me, but it certainly annoyed me. She said something the, the, the night before the election of if you don't understand why Uh, Gay people are afraid of tomorrow's election. Then you don't have any gay friends. You just know gay people, and I looked at that and went, "I can't believe we're still on this." Now I gave her a little bit of a little bit of extra credit because she is an older woman. Okay, I believe she's in her fifties. That I'm sure, as a as a lesbian woman, had to go through a hell of a lot more than a lesbian woman might. That's in their twenties or their thirties now. So like I gave her a little bit of leeway on that but I'm like just look at how people feel about homosexuality right now even conservatives right It's a non-issue. It's it's almost a non-issue and the people that that are against gay marriage it's really like a morality thing. Um nobody even conservatives are really pushing for laws against it at this point you even had matt walsh on jill rogan a couple of weeks ago who's i mean as conservative as they get right and he said he's certainly against gay marriage um and i believe joe asked him you know if, if you if you were to support uh legislation uh, against gay marriage or, or uh, i think he even said i think he said gay sex matt walsh was like i would never support legislation that criminalizes gay sex I mean and that is like from the king of the fucking religious conservatives that we're talking about right, right there. So
1: it is it's it's a non issue. There was just of course I get the paywall from New York Times but I was able to see the number. So fuck off. In <laughs> the <laughs> New York Times. Uh it it was a, like that that uh the same sex marriage bill just passed in the Senate today. And it voted 62 to 37 I think it was. And that's 12 Republicans coming over Mm-hmm. to vote for the bill yeah 62 to 37 vote, which came only days after the midterm and right there like the fact that you could like when when there's a break from the republican party like that it just shows you that to them it's ultimately a milk toast
0: well because in my view like conservatives that a are milk, still-
1: to- milk toast policy like in their view there's because- like you could the leadership is just like yeah, but whatever. They
0: ultimately realize like it doesn't have anything to do with me, and, and like to me, like that is that's progress, right? That is progress for uh, the gay community and 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 gay marriage. Right there, you go. You go back. Go back to two thousand seven, Corey. Both Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton said they did not support gay marriage. Yeah, two thousand seven yeah. in their campaigns. Yep. You know, and now yeah. now we have conservatives that basically like they're, they don't love it basically, but they don't really give a shit at the same time.
1: Like, yeah, probably- we went from yeah, we went from like, yeah, so like the, the idea that like adults consenting in their own personal bedrooms seems to have become the uh, like the norm, I guess to the I mean in the Republican party is what I'm getting at to the point like or just in general actually because like we just said Obama and Hillary in 2007 said no they're against it and we have come with the, what was that 15 years we went from that from 15 years ago to now we have 12 republicans voting to support it obviously that means it's all trending in the right direction and this is after Trump this is after the abortion bill this is after the huge social culture wars of drag queen uh drag queens in schools and children getting hormone therapy. Like all of that stuff is absolutely attached to the LGBTQ community. But when it came down to the nitty gritty, they were able to still separate that stuff and vote for just adults consenting and personal liberties.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's the thing is like, cause you remember, you remember when, when Roe was overturned, like yeah. the, the big thing was like, you know, women are going to get, start getting thrown in prison. Um, and, and I was, to be honest with you, and I still kind of am a little, cause we don't know what's going to happen with some of these state laws, even, even still, but the, the other one that kind of made me go really was next. They're going to be, they're going to come after gay marriage. Yeah. And I, I would, I, the huge difference between Roe and gay marriage is that conservatives have been fighting to overturn Roe for 50 years, nonstop. They have never quit on this that is why the Supreme Court was has all, is always so important to them in all of their elections as to where with with uh, with liberals or Democrats it wasn't because they had the majority for so long and they kind of just fell by the wayside and we saw how that worked out uh, but like I, I just don't I don't see that kind of fervor for overturning gay marriage at all I, I mean no there, you right. evidence crazies out there but other than that it's just not as it's not a big thing.
1: You know, like you, know know, you see the Republicans, topic, but- yeah, you see Republicans right now scrambling, you know, trying to recalibrate their whole stance on abortion and stuff like that after all these midterms and stuff. But yet, we also talk about gay marriage as like its own separate thing. And my question to you is when we want to talk about progress in the country, do you think 12, 12, not one, not two, do you think 12 senators would have voted to, for a pro abortion bill?
0: Was this set? Oh, in the Senate? Yeah. 12 Republican senators for a, for a pro-choice a bill? A
1: pro-abortion, yeah, a pro-choice bill. No. So I guess that's what I'm trying to say in comparison when we talk about Roe v. Wade and how it took them 50 years. I
0: think you'd be lucky to get one or two.
1: Effort. Right. And so I guess that's what I'm getting at. We went from 15 years ago where the Democratic platform was against gay marriage to now – I know we're, we've said this like three times now – to where 12 Republicans are voting for this – then it just goes to show that the progress is happening and that i don't see gay marriage being this type of issue that is worth spending all this exerted effort to fearmonger about to when bring, we have other issues to talk about to
0: bring it back around to trump and the way the media is going to cover this like that is going to be just one of a, of of at least a handful of examples that are going to be fear mongered at you over the next two years. It's going to be when have you? I honestly and somebody can correct me if I'm wrong. I because I but I just don't remember it, and I'm I'm happy to admit when I'm wrong here. But I don't ever remember even when Trump was president ever saying anything about homosexuals. Like I don't remember him ever saying anything about overturning gay marriage or any of that shit.
1: He might have said. Yeah, it I think on the he camp- probably said something off the cuff. Like I have gay friends.
0: Well, he might have said something on the campaign trail. But, you know, to kind of get that evangelical base, like, that might be an example of when he did that. But I just, you know, like, even like, if if I have fears about what's going to happen if Donald Trump is president again, and believe me, I don't have that many because I've seen it once already and I know how this works, uh, even though I don't want to see it, um, him coming after homosexuals is just not anywhere near the top of the list of concerns that I have and I think most of the nation realizes that I hope that's the case and and I, I really hope that you know places like CNN and MSNBC and the young Turks and David Packman and all of these other fucking, you know fear-mongering Trump grifters don't turn that around to the way that it was in 2015 2016. I'm going to look at it differently this time around. I think you will too, and I think I'll, I'm hoping that a oh, lot of absolutely.
1: Will- I feel like I'm going to have a much clearer eye on all of this. I don't think like it's the only way he actually. So yeah, so let's. I know we got off on a real tangent there about gay marriage, but let's uh, let's think about how this pathway to success happens for him, right? So if he runs, he would need to win the primary first, which he has a super huge head start on you know he's created a fantastic uh like email uh email pool or whatever he's got for all of his uh, stop the steal votes he's got a huge war chest of all the money that's been donated to him by his sycophants for years now for the whole stop the steal thing that he did not spend on any of the people that he that he endorsed which why like you know like on paper yeah he had 200 or so win versus 11 lose but the ones that counted lost. You know, those 11 that lost are the ones that they heard yeah, him he a lot in more. His
0: speech that raw number of all the people that won. But like yeah. any of the ones that actually he actually had a chance to lose or his candidates had a chance to lose. Almost all of them lost. Yeah.
1: The ones that counted lost. Yeah. OK. So now there's that with this midterm. The what like his endorsements. The the senator or the House representatives that won that he endorsed were probably gonna win anyways. Um the ones that counted that he propped up with the help of the Democrats, of course, because they spent millions of dollars in their campaigns, lost. And so now it's a presidency, a House and a Senate twice that he lost. Um, or a presidency once, a house and a senate twice. Well, I guess three times if you want to count this midterms. Mm-hmm. And you know, like I'm looking at uh five three eight right now. Donald Trump's favorability as of November seventeenth, twenty twenty two, is still fifty four percent unfavorable. The only way he still he gets into the primary and into the actual general is chicanery in the in the fucking Republican Party because you know, like, was it Pompeo was talking about running, um, uh, not Newsom, who's the guy? Uh, I know it starts with an N. I always forget his name, uh, the guy from North Carolina. Um,
0: oh, I'm 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 blanking.
1: You're blanking. You know what I'm talking about, <laughs> Not though, right? Not even
0: blinking. I'm blanking.
1: Not bl- yet. Yeah. Uh, who else is it? Pence is t- running an exploratory Obviously, thing to DeSantis. run. DeSantis. Yeah. Uh, Nikki Haley. Um, yeah, there's a bunch of people that are throwing their hats into the ring, and if that happens, then Trump's already coming in with a 30% guaranteed vote he might get the general but if he gets the general i don't see him winning the uh winning the i mean if he gets the general like selection i don't see him winning against uh if he
0: wins the primary you don't think the he pr- if
1: he wins the primary i don't see him winning the general yes those are the words that i was trying to get to come out of my mouth thanks dan i
0: mean that's what that's that's what we said last time and here's the only difference that i would say is that i think trump himself is just a little bit different than the candidates which he endorses, right? So what we often see from the candidates that he's most fervently endorsed because he's endorsed a ton of people, but like you think about the two out of one, then you think about you think about the J.D. Vances and you think about the uh, the Herschel Walkers and the Lauren Boberts and the Marjorie Taylor Greens, particularly Bobert and Green. These were two candidates. That just decided to just be little, bit like baby little Trumps, especially Bobert. Honestly, Bobert, and it, from that perspective, is worse than Marjorie Taylor Green. Marjorie Taylor Green is crazy in her own right, but she is a little bit different than Bobert in that way. And Lauren Bobert, an incumbent in a plus nine district, goddamn near lost. Yeah. So it's it's this it's this interesting thing where Trump nationally himself, I think, performs better than the candidates in which he endorses. And I think there's a lot of there's a lot to that. Um so, you know, what's what can happen over the next two years, who the hell knows? And, you know, I'm just like I said last week, Corey, I'm not ready to like, I'm not ready to bury Donald Trump. I'm not because we all know that if we see, you know, if if uh if the Republican Party farts around forever and you know Ron DeSantis gets a little scared or, you know, Mitch McConnell gets Turtles up again as he always does to Donald Trump every single fucking time. Every time he's had a chance to denounce him, he hasn't done it. Could have done it after January sixth, didn't do it. Uh, he, it just there are many many moving parts over the next two years that could give Trump an advantage. And if we're looking at a Trump Biden rematch again, don't know what's going to happen over the next two years. There is absolutely no way I'm counting Donald Trump out in that in that race
1: if biden gets inflation and gas prices under control in the next two years that will change
0: everything i agree with you absolutely and hopefully listens to his goddamn general and gets us the fuck out of ukraine which is the well i say that like we have troops on the ground but we have proxy troops on the ground which is actually our next topic
1: yeah yeah we get that's a good segue but i was just gonna say real quick that uh Trump doesn't stand a chance if Biden gets inflation and gas prices under control and the Ukraine crisis is settled. If all of those things are still issues in 2024 then Biden then Trump beats Biden.
0: I I would I would completely agree with that with that. That's if
1: Biden is still alive then. <laughs> but if those things happen, if they cuz because Trump is such a toxic figure. If inflation is okay, gas prices are down, unemployment stays about where it is right now, even if it goes up to like 5% and we see uh, Ukraine crisis ending, they could literally roll Biden out on a gurney and the mass populace would vote for him because of the fact the other option is Donald Trump. If it's DeSantis, I don't think it matters. I think DeSantis beats Biden no matter what.
0: Yeah, the only thing that concerns me about DeSantis, if I'm you know speaking as a Republican strategist here, is we've seen a lot of governors try to go national. And just for some reason, it doesn't resonate the same way. So I think you'd have to, sh- I think you would have to show some pretty strong polling. I mean, George W. Bush was the last one that's really had, that had a strong showing, right? Barely beat Gore. Um, it's generally, it's generally senators that are, that are stepping up and going national and taking, uh, taking a lot of these Republican primaries and Democratic primaries too. So, can he be the exception to that rule? I think he could. I definitely could see how he could. Um, you know, because we already see a lot of out-of-state people that aren't Floridians really liking this guy. Now that, yeah. But we, we, we the midterms just happened. That could easily cool off. I guess it, it, in in short order. Um. So that 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 would probably be the only concern I would have with DeSantis right now, even with all of the. Uh, fervor around him following the midterms, so that was it. Uh, you want to move on to Ukraine? Yeah,
1: we can move on to Ukraine. So, what did I have? We went to sleep with puckered butts, only to give a uh, only to give a shaky cyber leap the next morning.
0: So, obviously, we're speaking about the uh, the the missile that that landed in I can't remember the name of the village, that small eight person village in in, in uh, Eastern Poland.
1: Oh, I should know that one.
0: Which we, I just didn't bother to read the the actual name of it. It
1: starts with a P. It's like pros.
0: Well, I'm not going to count I... on you to be able to pronounce it.
1: Oh, Why not, Dan? You don't think <laughs> I can pronounce words? <laughs> you got <guys> first words? <laughs> um, Prez. <laughs> <laughs> you can't get it. P-R-Z-E-W-O-W-O. Oh, I'm, not Prezvidov?
0: Even, Prezvidov? I'm not even gonna try not even gonna try I'm gonna
1: say Presbytoff that's what I'm gonna say Dan okay I'll go with it so
0: two people killed in <laughs> <Prezvidov>. <laughs> Uh no Presbytoff damn it
1: Prezvinov. I thought I was the one Dan Prezvinov? that said bad words I'm not words just, bad.
0: I'm just listening to you I'm not actually reading it in front of me
1: well, no, I don't fucking know uh, don't so really instant, reaction, instant reaction from that was what oh yeah it was in all the Latvian countries Zelensky, the same one. It's World War Three. Russia intentionally attacked Poland. We need to go in there and fuck them up. Mm-hmm.
0: And I saw it because you texted it to me. I hadn't seen it yet. I probably would have seen it in minutes because I was just logging onto my computer when you uh, when you texted it to me. <laughs> and I went, my my, it was, it's it's so interesting that we do this now because when when you send me something and I think you do the same thing when I send you something that you hadn't seen yet, I always take just a brief pause. I always take a brief pause and go. Okay, what are we looking at here in terms yeah. of how we're gonna talk about this on the show? And my immediate first thoughts were uh accident. That was number one, but also false flag. That was my second thought. Um, and you 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 had said, well, you know, uh the Russians were, you know, they had been sending missiles into Kiev and, and other areas of Ukraine all day long. And um so the you know, the false flag narrative probably falls into second place for me for that. But my thought was like, okay, a missile that went off course. But what it ended up turning out being, right? Corey was a uh, a uh, Ukrainian uh, defense missile that broke up a Russian missile that happened to fly into Poland. Now, before you start, before you give your opinion on this, when I first heard that, I went, okay, I can see so many people looking at that and going. Boy, that sounds awfully convenient that it would land in this tiny village after being right, broken like, up. Uh, in all of NATO's
1: cucking to Russia.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, just an interesting thought.
1: Yeah, no, that is, that is. Like yeah, like uh, I had a guy at work say that to me and he goes, Yeah. He goes that really he goes, really a missile going thousands of miles an hour can get hit by another missile at thousands of miles an hour and it can just go ding. I mean, knock it off. Course, the
0: missile getting hit by the other missile is not the surprise. I mean, our technology is pretty goddamn good. We can intercept right, but missiles.
1: It, but keeping that missile intact and just knocking the trajectory off a few miles, has it does it, sound a little far-fresh, but has it been shown I think that it, it was it,
0: a full missile that hit? Was it the entire missile? Something hit and left a
1: big-ass crater. Yeah, but it could
0: have been a fragment, right?
1: Yeah. But how big was that fucking missile, then? That's a good point. But, uh, you know, I think about like, I always try to think of historical context, no matter how minuscule it may seem but stranger things have happened do you remember like there's always you see that meme every once in a while from world war one some guy with a metal detector found two bullets that collided midair during the the uh the trench warfare mm-hmm. and now we're talking about tiny little things and we're not talking about technology and stuff to do with it. it's just an off like no one died from it it just two bullets hit and then it fell to the ground and it sat there for 50 years until someone dug it up. But that right there just shows you that uh, physics and things like that are uh, fucking wild. People have been shot from wild angles from weird fucking deflections. I mean, if you want to believe the John F. Kennedy story, mm-hmm. the magic bullet, like stranger things have happened. So I can see that missile happening. And like what I was really holding my breath for was Russia's response to this happening. And I remember saying to people when I first heard about the news, I was like, it all depends on what Russia says. If Russia goes, oh, fuck, no, that wasn't supposed to happen. Then it was unintentional. Then then that, like, you know what I mean? Unintentional accidents and intentional uh, bolstering are two very different things. And if a com- if a country, like, if Russia came out and goes, yeah, and we're going to do it fucking again, well, then the- this came on. That's NATO, Article 5. The
0: reason the reason that I I was so skeptical at first that this was an intentional missile from the Russians was uh why in the fuck would Putin attack a NATO territory in such a small village just fifty miles away from the Ukraine? Was was
1: it fifty or fifteen? I heard five. I heard fifty. Trump said fifty. I don't think it was that far.
0: Either way, it was not far. I mean, it's semantics, right? This tiny village. The only reason I, that Putin would ever do that is if he had legitimate intelligence that somehow NATO was moving a shitload of military equipment through that particular village. But then again, where the hell are you going to hide it in a village that's that small? You know what I'm saying? It just, it yeah. just didn't add up that, that this was an intentional bombing. Like If, if Putin was going to go after NATO... I mean, don't you think he would launch a missile at Warsaw or something? You know what I mean? Like, what are we doing here?
1: Yeah, this doesn't even destroy a, uh, a logistical, like, line. It doesn't destroy any sort of, like, highway system. It doesn't do anything. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's no, there's, no str- there's no strategy to getting a country who really wants to come in and try to fuck you up, who's already, like... A dog in a cage that's being shook, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, and coupled with five or six other Baltic countries that are like, we need to go now.
0: Yep. They're ready. and Which I understand. I mean, think about if this was going on in Mexico right now or you know what I mean? Yeah. I get it. It's right in your back door. Right in your backyard.
1: And that's that's one good thing with NATO because we intentionally like NATO is the only thing that is holding these countries back. Poland would be involved. You know they would. The the way that rhetoric is coming from them, from the Baltic states, we would have troops, and it's based on how Russia's been doing, there would probably be war happening in Russia right now if these countries could actually get involved, but they can't because of a treaty. And I think Putin knows that. He does a lot of rattling about like nuclear war and this and that, but that's the only card he has. But... What was it? Doug. uh, Douglas McGregor. Douglas Douglas McGregor, which now I also, I have a little caveat for that. I do have pause on what he does say on his show or what he said on pushback because the fact I took his word for a lot of credit Mm -hmm. when it came to the actual Russian Russian invasion. If you remember, he was on that show saying it wasn't going to happen and it did. Mm -hmm. So for him just to say, they're not going to use nuclear weapons. It's like, well, I can't just take you at your word now because you were wrong once. And uh, But he makes a good point. He goes, nuclear fallout, they're not going to drop a nuclear bomb on Ukraine 50 miles from their border because of the fact that it could just blow right back into their country. Mm-hmm. Well, and they don't want to do that.
0: So yeah, so so Douglas McGregor, who was a, uh, a former Pentagon advisor, um, was on Aaron Maté's pushback show over the weekend, I believe. Um, and... What... <laughs> What I got from him just made so much sense because you, you've actually you've actually been able to see it in this timeline. Now, you are correct. He was on shortly before uh, Putin.
1: Yeah, I still take it, I it still take make... his word for a lot of merit, but it's just like, well, well, well what everyone can be what
0: wrong. He hey, make, what he says makes so much sense in that, because we, we've seen Putin doing this, he rattles the cage, right? He intimidates a little bit. He escalates to de-escalate. That's his strategy. Yeah. And that's that that I, I didn't really think about it that way in that kind of context until I heard McGregor actually say that. I mean that makes That's sense.
1: what I thought he was doing. You remember me saying that on the show? I'm like well, that's what he's doing before he goes to Ukraine.
0: And that's probably what he was doing before he went into Ukraine. And then he escalated by moving into Ukraine. That was the next step of escalation. Like I don't think McGregor's saying that it's that it's not dangerous that he's doing this because what what happens when he gets to the point of escalation that, you know, we actually do have nuclear war. Um, he's yeah. Just if not he that about too much,
1: he's going to have his, he's going to back himself into a corner. And that's not just rhetoric from mainstream media that if he's going to, he's, if he's escalating to deescalate, there is a point where he might escalate too much to where it, it isn't going to deescalate and it's going to be like a snowball going down a hill and that almost happened with uh, Ukraine or with Poland, and that missile that hit.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, my God, I give NATO and America a lot of credit. Could, could you imagine how much noise was coming into that that uh, that what's the Situation Room? What do they call that room when they're all in there when they're all together when they're talking about issues like this? That's the Situation Room. Yeah. Oh no, he wasn't <laughs> even there. He was. He was. Well, no, they also have a show on Fox called The Situation yeah, Room. Yeah. No, that but, was uh, CNN with Wolf Blitzer. Uh, CNN. Getting it all uh, wrong. That, shows you, that shows you how much <laughs> I actually watch the mainstream media. Um, Trump wasn't even there. He was in, uh, was it not Brussels, but he was somewhere for the G20 summit when this happened. Yeah. And... I- I, Putin here, is a dumb boy. Well, we know that. That's what you UN, TV just said Putin is a dumb boy. Well, I I agree.
0: Ah, Well, you know, you know, well, you know. <laughs> war room. The war room. I got it. Uh, anyway, <laughs> thanks for the fact check. The war Please. room. Hell, we had that at one of my old companies I used to work at. We had a room called the war room where we'd go in there and discuss business. Uh, <laughs> so I mean, on the other on the other side of uh, Douglas McGregor, we also had. Uh, 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 A three-star general and former uh, uh, defense advisor for the Trump administration, H.R. McMaster, on Barry Weiss's podcast. Now, this is the very neocon uh, take on on, on the entire situation to where he basically feels that we have to remain actively at war until Putin feels he's defeated. Here's the problem with this. Here's the problem with this. You're not going to do that until you actually get NATO troops involved. Putin is never going to feel defeated until you get actual NATO troops involved. Now, if you're a neocon, you might say, well, then I guess that's what we need to do and risk nuclear war. But if you're uh, Biden's own top general right now, Mark Milley going, no, 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 no. We got to do something different. We're wasting too much money. We're never going to be able to win this the way that we want to win this, and so you have to consider you have to consider conceding a little bit to Vladimir Putin. And here's why I say that: it's not that it's not that this is something I want to do. Right? I don't want. I wish we didn't have to. I wish he would go away. I wish the supposed cancer that he has would take him out, and we can move on. Uh, but
1: we have at, to think about what's next.
0: As it stands, you. You are not going to win this. You 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 are you are, you are sitting yourself. You're setting yourself up for another proxy war situation where all you do where you you know what was it? I can't remember who said this. Is it Jimmy Dore who says this? Somebody says this. Uh, you're, the, the United States and NATO are going to be willing to fight this war down to the last Ukrainian. Then what?
1: Yeah, and because of things like NATO and and the, who Russia is, it's that's what makes it so frustrating. It's like you saw how like it just looking at it, it just. From like a million mile view, like bird's eye view, it just seems so fucking trivial. Like, there's still like, um, the Odessa port is still open. We're still moving a bunch of grain out of Ukraine while they're all fighting, and Russia's for it. Russia owns the Black Sea, and they're still letting Ukraine do trade. Not like, it's was really yes, all out do.
0: war. They militarily own the Black Sea right now, they don't formally own it,
1: right? Well, I, I mean <laughs> that, like, yeah, like you go over in the Black Sea in a rowboat with an American flag and you'll see who owns that Black Sea real quick. <laughs> just like in the China Sea. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, It'd be weird if a fisherman,
0: like an American fisherman who for some reason just decided he wanted to fish in the Middle East <laughs> took off into the Black Sea and that's what started World War <laughs> <laughs> 3.
1: Stranger things that have happened. It was the Britannica that got bombed, even though they were actually sneaking weapons over.
0: Yes, they were. Yeah. it
1: started. So yeah. But uh, what started I'm getting over at over is... Um, I forget what made me want to say this, but I was saying how uh, Russia still feels untouched on their land because they have nuclear weapons. And we basically feel untouched in all of NATO land until this recent Poland uh, incident. But how quick Russia was like, whoa, 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 no, 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 no. That wasn't us. It just shows how much of a dumb proxy war this is. Mm -hmm. And it just goes to solidify what you're saying about how America will fight Ukrainians to, or America will fight Russia to the last Ukrainian, because if this was all-out war, and we're in war in a neighboring country, was if we're in war somewhere, and borders be damned, if there was missiles attacking our troops, we would snuff out the root cause. Ukraine isn't even doing that.
0: Yeah, and you have, I mean, you have the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Mark Milley, calling for this being the quote-unquote best opportunity for Ukraine to negotiate a Russian withdrawal. And here's, here's the problem. Here's the, here's the issue that I keep having. Is like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and take General Milley at his word. Let's say, because Biden owns Zelensky. Okay, we know this. We own Zelensky at this point. If Biden goes, okay, go ahead and negotiate. Negotiate a withdrawal. Do whatever you're comfortable with, as far as like do you if you want to give territory up to Putin, go ahead, we'll leave it up to you. It's your country, which we would never do. Um, but go ahead and have the negotiation and if and if uh Putin buries his boots in the sand and says, "Fuck you, we're not negotiating." Well, doesn't that make NATO look a little bit better because now NATO and the Ukrainians have at least tried to negotiate a peace here? on the
1: world stage, absolutely.
0: I mean, I just don't see how you can lose doing that other than we know lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of money involved yeah
1: i mean yeah yeah no that's true and like i think putin knows that uh like he is quickly like at an accelerated rate just disconnecting himself from the whole entire world china and biden were together and like that's a whole nother uh can of worms to open in regards to our relationship with China, but in the very least, China and America both said that, uh, unequivocally, that nuclear war is bad.
0: You don't say, even though the media, and that's, been, that's kind of a swipe at Russia like, because,
1: even though we're not talking about nuclear bombs, the only ones that are is Russia.
0: Oh, no, I mean, did the, the corporate media is talking about it?
1: Oh, it's just tactical nuclear weapons,
0: I don't give a shit about that. It's gonna wipe out a few city blocks for. 12 years because it'll be radioactive no big deal it's tactical nuclear weapons better not use those we're coming for you
1: it's terrifying that's the
0: one thing i can't i can't just gives me the the chills
1: oh how uh just nonchalantly just the end of the world is just talked about Yeah,
0: no big deal we were gonna get there eventually anyway right (laughs) might as well be our generation
1: i wonder if it's this weird disconnect that media has like when you become an observer of like social unrest and culture and all the different ebbs and flows of like how, what a society does, uh, you create a sort of filter between you and that to where it's like, you don't feel like you're going to be affected. Just kind of like how you and I are sometimes when we talk about this stuff, because we're so just emotionally just not attached to it. Mm. That it's like, I wonder if like someone has to do with that. But then I also wonder of how that and then and then you see them say that stuff and then you see a commercial for Raytheon and then it's like oh okay never mind.
0: It's again, I mean, it's the fact that like North America and, and Central America, I guess you could even include, so isolated from the rest of the goings on of the world, like it's it's that's it, there's it's got a, its advantage, it's a blessing and a curse. You know, it, it's it's nice that we're like everything's kind of way over there and we don't really have to worry about it. At least, at least in the short term, right? But then at, at,
1: I was it's, thinking about that. At today. At the same time, how, it just uh, makes
0: us so fucking disconnected from what's actually happening anywhere else in the world. Well, to where it's know, easy, to, one to, one to one where it's easy to go. We just need to, we just need to assassinate Putin. We just need to just bomb him. Yeah, just take him out and come just, back
1: home. Like,
0: hold on, it. Uh something.
1: it goes back to uh, what Madison said. Well, not Madison. I think it was Je- Was it Washington? Someone, one of the founding fathers said that we. One of them we old dead th- guys one of those old dead guys said that we should not meddle in uh in european affairs
0: and that's all we do
1: and that's all we do <laughs> yes. but you know like geopolitically uh european affairs aren't even necessarily as important as they were in the 20th century you know what i mean like now it's a lot of it has to do with asia like you know the china sea and all that area over there with Taiwan and North Korea and South Korea. And North Korea feels like they're not being talked to right now. So they're launching a bunch of random nukes to get attention. They're like, hey, don't forget about us. And,
0: and that's a culture that nobody in Congress actually understands. Like what's going on. In nope.
1: These- and anyone that does is vilified by Trump calling him Coco Chow. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> fucking idiot. That's about to be our next president. <laughs> little, <then. laughs>
0: little rocket, man. <laughs> <laughs> You know what's so great? Like Donald Trump, when he is not in office, is fucking hilarious. Like I'm, I will never ever say that I will. I would never. I would never say he's not a funny man. <laughs> but when he's holding the nuclear codes. The funny <laughs> when he's not
1: holding the nuclear codes and just mean, has the old codes on file in Mar Lago, he's funny.
0: I mean, we see how offended Americans get by comedy. I can't even imagine what what people around the world get offended by when it comes to comedy. So, yeah, a comedian like yeah,
1: codes. it takes. I feel like it takes a lot for an American because we are so based on free speech that everyone just off the cuff just says so much random shit here without repercussion that like. Anywhere that has any sort of censure on free speech,
0: I don't know. And, and he, the, and you can't be black in America and make a Jew joke right now. That's that's kind of uh, that's, kind that's of not off. true.
1: Chappelle kind of kind of off color. You know what? They he gave him did. Some, no, but he they didn't gave say him some shit for it. But
0: he didn't really say anything, though.
1: No, he just he's he's an artful orator. Like he, that's why they call him the goat.
0: We are uh, we're speaking of uh, his appearance on Saturday Night Live. Saturday Night Live, yeah. yeah. I'm going to give uh, Lauren Michaels, I'm going to give Saturday Night Live some credit for that. Because, my God, they could have easily just not done that. They could have easily just not had him on.
1: That's true. And, and Good cooked, for them.
0: And cucked out to the woke mob. <laughs> oh, Anyway. All right. Speaking of woke mob, COVID amnesty
1: over my dead body. <laughs> Over my dead body That
0: ain't gonna happen So obviously we're talking about uh, The uh, the article that came out uh, At Christmas, Christmas Halloween uh, In the Atlantic by what the hell was her name Emily Oster of Brown University Lots of folks if you're a podcast listener uh, Have talked about this um, We decided to wait Because A lot of the reaction that I heard about this article Including from myself I caught myself doing this was there was a lot of anger, and understandably so. Corey was a little bit more level-headed when we first talked about this. I was pissed because what I saw here was an elitist brown professor saying
1: um <laughs> from Brown University, yeah, brain <laughs> <laughs>
0: So glad you corrected me. Oh my god. Oh, that was that was good because
1: words matter, Dan. They
0: totally do. They totally do. An, An elitist white professor from Brown University. Oh man. Um. Decided to, to basically say that, you know, everybody got some things wrong and we need to forgive each other. And my instant reaction was basically, fuck you. Like, w- a lot of us knew what was going on. A lot of us listened to actual experts in the field. You, you are, you, these are the people. I'm, I'm going to get my little rant and then we can actually talk about it. People like Emily Oster are the people that were um, trying to get Joe Rogan canceled. For disinformation about COVID, the, she, her, and her and her class were the people that were uh, keeping doctors uh, the, like Peter McCullough off of mainstream media for their um, I don't know truth telling techniques. Uh, and so, yeah, my instant reaction was "fuck you." You silenced actual truth or at least discussion of what might be true in the name of phony science and and totalitarianism. That's what you fucking did. I will never forgive the elites for doing that. I'll forgive my next-door neighbor for falling for it. I'll forgive myself, because right at the beginning, I fell for it a little bit, too.
1: Yeah, I did, too. Absolutely. I
0: I think most of us, it didn't take long. It didn't take more than a couple of months to be like, It seems weird that I should have to be wearing a mask outside when nobody's within 200 feet of me. You know, things like that. Things like that kind of started to trickle in. And it took these elitist assholes forever, forever to admit they were wrong. So, yeah, I'll forgive my neighbor who's like me, who I have way more in common with than I do the likes of your fucking ass. Yeah, I'll forgive them. I ain't going to forgive you. Sorry. Sorry.
1: And that's, that's, that's almost pretty much exactly where I'm at. You know, it's like, we we're only as informed as the information that is being given to us. And in the very beginning of COVID, like, dude, like I remember I had my birthday. It was May 2nd. COVID happened in March. It was like two months later. Everything was locked down. It was my 30th birthday. And I... I still like what I did was I just had like do like a drive-by thing people would just drive by they would sit at the end of my driveway I had this night I literally (laughs) I made the best of it I had this big ass like lawn chair set up underneath this like tent like a pop-up canopy and I just sat there just getting wasted and I had all of my friends come by and they'd sit at the end of the driveway and we'd bullshit and talk and they would put beers like literally take their beers that they got for me and put it up by the driveway. and They'd walk back and I'd go and grab them. It's absolutely silly bullshit to think about three years later and doing the whole uh, house party thing and zoom calls with friends and not touch, talking to each Dropping other Dropping
0: food off to your parents and just getting porch.
1: so angry with people who are just straight up denying it. Mm-hmm. And I remember my mom wanting to give me a hug and I said, I can't. And her being offended And being like, mom, it's weird. Like, I get it. Like, not that you're dirty or not that I'm dirty, but one of us could have the, like, could have COVID on us that we don't know. I don't want to be the one that kills you, you know, and all of that kind of stuff to where the masking and people getting too close to each other and saying, hey, get away from me six feet. I'm 100% okay with all of that just being, just fucking forget it. Get over it. Like we were all. It was a wild time. I went and spent fifteen hundred dollars on groceries, and then bought an ozonator. You know, but (laughs) to purify things,
0: we can't just forget about it. You, we have to learn from it, and that's one of the things about this article that really pisses me off.
1: I don't think there's a lesson learned that I liked, and she says, or yeah, it's a she, right?
0: Yeah. You want me to just read it? It's not long. I got the whole thing in front of me.
1: Uh well there's a let me just find it real quick. She goes the people who got her right for whatever reason may want to gloat those who got it wrong for whatever reason may feel defensive and retrench into a position that doesn't accord with the facts. All of this gloating and defensiveness continue to go- gobble up a lot of social energy and drive the culture wars especially on the internet. These discussions are heated, unpleasant and ultimately unproductive in the face of so much uncertainty getting somewhat right had a lefty had a le- had a hefty element of luck and similarly Getting something wrong wasn't a moral failing. Treating pandemic choices as a scoreboard on which some people racked up more points than others is, pre- is preventing us from moving forward. In the collective, in the collective, yes. In the conversations I had with people about vaccines, and in the conversations I have with people about masks, and social distancing, and schools closing, and businesses closing, yes. I didn't. We knew we weren't privy to information that other people had, but This is why this article is not good, (laughs) for lack of a better term. Because we need to hold the people that were in charge accountable for the sake of lives being saved for the next time this happens. Because it's only a matter of time, whether it's uh, a year from now or whether it's a 100 years from now. The people need to be held accountable. So when the people that are in charge next time see this happening, they know that they can't just follow some meat narrative, and they need to take pause and really look at what's going on, because of the fact that there is no trust in any of the bureaucracies that are there that are in intent that were initially designed in good faith for the protection of American or citizens of the world.
0: See, here's, here's what I don't like about the paragraph you just read. I agree with most of what you just said, but she speaks out of both sides of her mouth. When she says things like getting it right involved a hefty amount of luck.
1: When what I read the it, fuck I was like, are you talking uh... about? Yeah, there was no luck. There was other data that was getting sprinkled in there that people had that uh, that at this point was proven true But then that the, were called literal conspiracy theories. The
0: very next sentence is, and similarly, getting something wrong wasn't a moral failing. Right, not from my next-door neighbor who's yeah. getting this fucking information yeah. from the likes my friends of you. that I
1: was talking to on Facebook and we were both like, just trying to decipher through the information and have conversations about it and we were both like, you're wrong. No, you're wrong. No, you are. No, you are. Treating
0: treating pandemic choices as a scorecard on which some people racked up more points than others is preventing us from moving forward. Like, no, fuck you. Nobody's looking at this as a scoreboard. There was right and there was wrong. And your team was wrong. And all you can do, I'm getting heated about it again. I guess waiting a month didn't do anything. But your (laughs) your team, sat. you want to sit there and act like both sides got shit wrong. Not really. I mean, she brought up the whole bleach thing, right? Uh, 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 Health officials had to tell people not to inject bleach. Okay, if there were three people in the United States that actually injected bleach because they thought it was going to help with their COVID, uh, how long were they going to live anyway? Okay, don't give me that bullshit. <laughs> Don't give me that bullshit. It
1: could have been anything that told them to inject bleach. <laughs> oh,
0: these dude, these elitists. I, I thought I was going to be able to go through this without getting mad. Yeah, and no, I got no mad you're anyway. right.
1: You're right, man. Like, remember, we talked about it a couple of months ago. Like, Fauci being fired, it, it needed to happen because the people that believe him are going to believe him regardless. And if we want to gain faith in the institution, if this is about saving lives and not about some political scoreboard, well, and that's then getting rid of the people who created distrust in these bureaucracies that are supposed to save our lives is the fucking first step.
0: <laughs> right? Talking to people on the ground that matter, you know. Talking to actual doctors who are treating COVID patients.
1: I'm I have friends who are straight up COVID deniers. Yeah. That's- and I will absolutely Forgive them, and have to go with my tail tucked between my my legs on a couple topics with it, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. The people that are in charge that have the weight on their shoulders of who literally every single decision they make has the balance of millions of lives in their hands. If they get that wrong, they need to be held accountable. There is no brushing this under the rug. The thing is, I mean, it's almost as simple as that, right? I mean,
0: if and when we see this again my hope is that as we'll see it again maybe not in our lifetimes but um we'll see a pandemic again at some point in human history and i'm just i'm so i'm actually really intrigued i'm glad i'm a relatively young man and i'm i'm 34 years old i hope to at least live into my 80s like i honestly can't wait to look back at how I mean, not that I want to get old, but you know what I mean? Like, I'm I'm anxious to look back and see how this entire thing is viewed by history. Like, is this going to be viewed as, well, some people got sick. It turned out not to be as bad as we thought. And then we just moved on. Or is this going to be a situation where history holds the elites and the government accountable? I hope it's the latter.
1: It's probably not.
0: I mean it's happened before, right? I mean when you look at when you look at things like the Great Depression, I mean fucking Herbert Hoover is regarded as one of the worst presidents of all time because of the way he handled that that big problem. Um, I don't think you can really look to the Spanish Flu so much because you know, again, science and biology and virology just didn't really exist the way that it does today back then. Um so yeah, it makes a little bit more sense to lock down in 1917. when you don't know what the hell's going on for years, but now mm-mm, it's not the same thing. And so I don't know. I, I'm hopeful, I guess in that regard, usually I'm the nihilist, but you're the one who's not hopeful on that one.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, it's the uh, heads ultimately at the top heads have to roll. You know, I agree with that a hundred percent heads got to roll. Um, We're like I said, we're only as good as the information given to us, and there was information that wasn't being shared properly. Mm -hmm. And whether it was a narrative, whether it was uh, a motivation driven by money or a motivation driven by power, whatever it is, we were let down by our government. Not only was it
0: not properly shared with us, Corey, it was actively demonized.
1: Oh, to have any sort of thought on the outside of it, yeah, I am the science. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, I have a garbage can. No, right You were there. throwing
0: That's, that at a. There's, yeah, Corey actually has a poster of Anthony Fauci on the wall and you just <laughs> throw it regularly.
1: That I just throw stuff at. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it's it's. Uh, we really do need like when it comes to moving on, like society needs to move on. Sure, you know, but we can't just give people a pass for the sake of trying to move on and not giving them any sort of accountability because the next time anything like this happens, it's just going to be the same route. If there's no repercussion, I want whoever's in charge next time, something like this happens to go, Oh fuck, we can't do that because the last time we did that and just didn't follow, you know, not, not necessarily follow, but like, We can't do that because the last time we did that, people went to jail for it.
0: And it was just proof. It was just proof of government not wanting to give back power when they take it. But it was also, you want to talk about the good side of this. It was also a demonstration of the American people going, no, we, we hold the power. And although I know it took a lot of the bluest states out there to ultimately lift all these restrictions, but eventually we did get there and I'm going to take that as a positive because it could have very easily gone the other way. Uh, I don't think we realize how close we might've come to going the other way. I don't even know if I realize it. I don't know if I'm overplaying it or underplaying it, but I just, I just think it's something to think about um, how close we, we might've actually come to um, some sort. Of, I'm not going to say like totalitarianism, but like some sort of like proxy authoritarianism kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it's just I mean
1: like a bureaucracy like the n s a
0: yeah, I mean, we're already there, let's be honest, we live in a corporate <laughs> oligarchy it's, it's, it's no secret, but you know what I mean, like the fact that even though we do live in what I view to be a technical corporate oligarchy uh we do we do still have power and and uh I think the end of the way we treated covid was a real demonstration of that. I think it took us too long to get there, but we got there,
1: so because right, and so like and it goes from it, and the two almost coincide with each other when I talk about uh, when we talk about forgiving our fellow citizens and our fellow neighbors and stuff like that, and all of this stuff, and letting bygones be bygones when it comes to our dis- disagreements on COVID. But if we're gonna say that, then we should also be saying that it's even more important that the people who let us down that were at the top need to absolutely be held accountable. So when the next time this happens for the sake of the very neighbors I'm talking about, we can be on the same page with the pandemic mm. and not have to sit here and argue about bullshit while people are dying because of the fact they don't trust the people that I might trust and vice versa.
0: Yeah. And the, and the problem too is that like it was, it was a long, you know, red blue lines. And I think not just, uh, I think I give credit to two things for, for what happened um with with regards to voters in these midterm elections you know proving that they're not fucking morons and i think donald trump forcing people to be more culturally literate for better or worse is one of those and i think covid was the other one because that's another thing that was along red blue lines i'm having more and more discussions and not with everybody but i'm having more and more discussions where i'm getting this I really fucking hate both parties' response. I'm getting so much more of that now in like the last year than I would have in, you know, 2016, 2017, 2018. Um, yeah. You know, some people might lean one direction and then I'll say, well, you know, say they lean Republican. I'll be like, well, Republicans suck for this reason. And they'll go, eh, yeah, you're, you're kind of right. Or if they lean Democrat, well, Democrats did this. Oh, yeah, 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 you're kind of right. It's not like this, there's a lot less of this at least when you're doing open discourse, I'm not necessarily talking about social media, but when you're out in the world speaking to people, there's a lot more willingness to go, eh, yeah, I see your point um so don't don't necessarily pay attention to what you see at social media, but like if you actually have these discussions with people, which I think there too many Americans are still afraid to have because of what they see, but those discussions are out there as long as you can keep a level head and the person you're talking to can keep a level head. If somebody gets mad, obviously walk away, but um, Change yeah. The topic. I, oh, you sh-
1: see that sports?
0: Does you see sports ball? Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I love the sports ball. I don't know. I can't believe we came to sports. Some, some positivity this is If you're ever
1: in an, an awkward conversation, just ask someone what their favorite deep sea creature is. <laughs> Everybody has one and they're dying to tell you about it. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Right, I ask you, what's your favorite? What's your favorite deep sea creature, Dan? What's
0: the What's the one with the big light bulb that comes off the front?
1: Uh, the I know it's the
0: lantern fish, something like that. The yeah. lampfear?
1: not not the fear. The lamprey is the one that has the sucker mouth with the
0: big teeth. It's got the. La- it's yeah, like I know what you're talking
1: about. It's like some sort of lantern. Fish I don't even know what something. it's called. <laughs> well, it's a pretty cool fish. Yeah, it's,
0: you look at fish. I like looking at it.
1: I like dolphins.
0: Is it deep sea?
1: I don't know. It's just a sea creature. <laughs> I don't know what what's considered deep and said, what's said, considered not.
0: You said deep sea creature, not sea creature. All right,
1: creature. I'm sorry.
0: Are <laughs> we really about to have an argument about well, Okay, to- no, because I would change my answer if it was just overall sea creature. My overall <laughs> favorite sea creature is the orca, you motherfucker. The that orca? That is a badass animal, yeah.
1: I like the dolphins. It, not the team. Just dolphins I don't know if this general, is true, but I had read are.
0: somewhere that there has never been an orca attack on humans anywhere ever in the wild that's been recorded. Right. But dolphins have. Yeah. So fuck you. Mine are better.
1: What the fuck are you talking about? Dolphins are fucking cool. Although dolphins although get I'm high sure, on each. I'm, dolphins literally do puff, puff, pass with a puffer fish. <laughs> they bite on it a little bit to get the neurotoxin and then launch it to the next one. And they're all getting high with each other. But also, I'm pretty sure. A lot that, of rape, though. A lot, of rape, a lot of rape going on in the a very, dolphin.
0: It's a very rapey species. Uh, but also, I believe an orca is actually a species of dolphins, so I'm not really sure what we're arguing about.
1: They are, right? It's yeah. bottlenose dolphin and orca. They're not necessarily a whale. I don't mm-hmm. know what makes them different. I don't know. I wish we had a Jamie that I could have him look it up, because yeah, he would. We
0: somebody here to figure out what the difference is. Porpoises? <laughs> What's a porpoise? Isn't that like a walrus?
1: <laughs> what is porpoise?
0: Yeah, no porpoises allowed at SeaWorld. <laughs> that
1: was just some philosophical question. What is porpoise? I don't know. I'm not a
0: marine biologist, Corey. I don't know what we're talking (laughs) about. Okay, George Costanza. (laughs) (laughs) Is that a Jew joke?
1: (laughs) What? No, now it
0: is. (laughs) Uh, Police need policing again, Corey.
1: Oh, God damn it. This is your
0: story. You pointed this out to me. I did look into it a little bit. Uh, So there was a man in, I can't remember where it was. I had it in front of me.
1: Somewhere in Arizona, uh, right? Goodyear, Arizona.
0: Goodyear, Arizona. They make great tires there. Um, so not great police though. <laughs> no. So there was a man that was apparently, at least allegedly, at this point, shot by police because he was in his own backyard. Was he in his own backyard or just a backyard?
1: Yeah, the a residence backyard or st- the residence backyard is what it says.
0: Stabbing himself.
1: Yeah. At about 5.30 p.m., officers responded to a home in the area to a person who was stabbing himself with a knife after police made contact with the man in the backyard of the residence. An officer fired at him as, as a result of the contact, a Goodyear police statement said. And so this is why I'm talking how, like, you know, we get a lot of noise about defunding the police and refunding the police and reforming the police and all these different conversations about police. But this right here is the perfect example of just police really botching their job. This guy was literally not harming anyone else but himself. He clearly had a mental health crisis. He clearly needed help, and the police gave him the help that I guess he kind of wanted. But it wasn't yeah. the help that he probably suicide was. By cop. Yeah, suicide. Yeah, he was obviously like trying to kill himself, and the police show up because someone goes, "Hey, this guy's trying to kill himself." And they're like, oh, fuck, if he does, we got the fucking monopoly on violence, and then they killed him.
0: <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing. That's really dark. That's a. I just took that as a really dark joke, and I don't even think it you meant it was. as much.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Police have the monopoly on violence.
0: Here's what I took out of this story, and I'm going to go to a place that maybe you didn't want to go, uh, but I, I am, I am going to bring race into this a little bit, and that is because this is a situation where I think... There is proof that, I guess I shouldn't say proof, that's kind of a, a uh, an absolutist kind of word. But I think this is serious evidence that the relationship between cops and the people in which they serve, uh, I use that word loosely, uh, has everything to do with class and next to nothing to do with race. Um, and the longer we sit here and we and we pretend like it's it's a it's it's race and not class, the uh, the the longer we're gonna have to deal with this. And here's why I say this, Corey: this is a story that has gone relatively uncovered. This is a story that has gone uncovered to the point where there hasn't even been an update on it that I've been able to find here. Let me go back in about four days. This was basically covered locally. This was something Looking at the
1: AZ Central uh,
0: story. I don't remember which one I had up here. It was one of the, it was one of the local, uh, one of the local yeah, Arizona. Was just yeah, Look here at we the go. Arizona, one, yeah. Arizona ABC fifteen is the one I had up. Um, it was on MSN. It was just kind of floated about here a little bit and. The reason I bring that up is because there is there is no doubt in my mind that if this if this man was black, it would have been reported nationally, or at least, not maybe not nationally, but certainly made it to more outlets with more updates, right? And I'm not
1: saying he that- He described as black. Right. And I'm not- Not s- just an unidentified man, it'd be an unidentified black man.
0: That's absolutely right. And, and I'm not saying, this isn't meant to be like some sort of white lives matter diatribe. I think, I hope my listeners know me better than that by now, but it's- It's just – it's an issue of the fact that there's no doubt that the media does push the black folks getting killed by cops narrative, and it's awful every single time it happens, right? It's horrible every single time it happens. But I always look at these things and I go, what if this were a situation where it were a well-to-do, right? So let let me just bring up my county here, right? I live in Oakland County, Michigan, just north of Detroit, and it is per capita one of the richest counties in the country. Now, I don't live in the rich areas. Don't worry. There's some poor areas here, too. Um, But there's particularly two zip codes. There's Birmingham and there's Bloomfield Hills. Very, very, very rich areas. If there were a black man having a mental break in his own backyard, a well-to-do black man who owns his own home in Bloomfield Hills, and the cops were called, do you think that black man would be shot? No. He wouldn't be shot. He wouldn't be shot. And that just speaks to class, right? Unless they
1: thought he was from a different neighborhood.
0: No. They know it's his home. He's a member of the community, right? Um, If there were a homeless white man in Detroit having a mental break, same situation, what do you think the chances are he'd be shot? A lot better, right? A lot higher, yeah. So that's why I think the media narrative of pushing – the race issue when it comes to our relationship with our police is not More the right class based. It's not the and right that's way a, to go.
1: No, that's that's a really great conversation to have because of the fact that, like, yeah, class plays a really, really big issue in this, and I think class does supersede race. But in the microcosm of that class, I feel like I still feel like, and based on data and everything you see skin color does extrapolate that in one way or the other uh, based on those scenarios. Sure. But it's frustrating that because this isn't a national, a national story because of that extra piece that would, you know, really make the story run wild because of skin color. There's almost, you know, like I feel like a lot of times people who cuck for the, Establishment, not necessarily the establishment, but police and stuff like that. When they see a black man get killed, they immediately think, "Oh, well, what was he doing wrong?" Mm-hmm. And if it's a white person that's killed, it's well, there's just yeah, like police, he's just crazy. Police interactions have become like weirdly tokenized, don't you think? Isn't it like,
0: don't you think so? I it mean, does, and it hurts. At the least issue the way they're covered. At least the way they're covered. Not necessarily. And, it, and it's like a
1: snake so. eating its own tail in a sense because yeah. of the fact that, like, regardless of race we're seeing police botching their jobs time and time again. But when you add the race aspect to it, I feel like people who aren't black don't see it as an immediate threat. So they don't care. And people who are black, who see it as happening to one of their own are just brushed off to the side by the people who don't see it as an immediate threat and don't care. And it just constantly just like just tumbles into itself. And we still see people being killed by police in scenarios where they were called to help. Mm.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, it, I'm not saying I'm not saying race doesn't matter at all. I just think that it's it's very the way the media covers it overblows the racial aspect of Yeah, they the cover incident that occurs, right? Race
1: and don't talk about class when it really comes down to it, it it's class. And race is either a benefactor or a negative aspect of that of the uh, interaction,
0: depending on which narrative the media wants to push, right? So if you look at a more conservative, like we we talk about this all the time, like when, when there's a mass shooting, right, or when you know, or when there's a. Um, an incident of police killing somebody we always we I, I always look at it like, OK, what's what's what are what's conservative media hoping for and what's liberal meeting hoping for liberal media during a mass shooting is please let the guy be white. Please let the guy be white. Please let the guy be white. While conservatives are hoping, you know, please let it be, a you know, a, a Muslim nationalist, an, an, an illegal
1: immigrant. Yeah, or something yeah. like that. Illegal immigrant or a Muslim, yeah. And I yeah, feel yeah, like yeah.
0: – and, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad you kind of talked me through this because I think you articulated some things that I kind of missed during during my little explanation, which is that I feel like the media does the same thing when it comes to police interactions and killings, right? They just right. – oh, oh it's, a, oh, it's a, oh, it's a white guy? Eh, who cares.
1: To where these stories, like, unfortunately, in a country like ours where the majority of not, – not unfortunately that a majority of the country is white. But unfortunately, a story that could be, you know, explained like or presented as a sort of, yeah, look, here's an example. Police need to fucking do their jobs better. It doesn't have the the zing to have the story run through the, all the national presses. So it just gets pushed off to the side. So regardless of what color this person was, this is a person obviously at the cry for help and they got killed by police. They were suicided by police because of the fact that the officers didn't know how to handle somebody hurting no one but themselves with a knife. We have tasers. You know, we hear a constant conversation about mental health crises. And maybe if there was somebody there that was able to deal with the suicidal victim versus cops who are just trained mostly to shoot people and put down the, the threat, this could be a person that survived.
0: That's where the fun, the police argument. Like
1: what was, from. yeah, exactly. Like what was the outcome of this? The police didn't show up. The guy died. Mm-hmm. Someone calls for help and they show up and the guy dies. Where's the servant protecting that?
0: Yeah. Your taxpayer dollars literally just went to you. I'm not going to call this murder. Cause I don't really know all the details of it yet, but like,
1: we still need at body least, cam at footage. At least, an, yeah, at least it's, it. yeah. it's
0: at best like a, a negligent killing. You know what I mean? Because, you know,
1: maybe he did lunge at him. But, yeah. you know, the police were quick to say that uh, no officers were injured, <laughs> according to police. That's the first and, thing they always say. <laughs> right. And it's, and it's then, But then at the same time, at the end of this article, it, it shows the Arizona uh, crisis hotline number. And it's just, it's sad. It's really sad that somebody called the police in hopes to help their neighbor and they see the police kill their neighbor. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's just... Bottom line is... You really need to rethink policing in this country.
0: We need, the police need more policing. Follow, uh, I always tell to We need to have real conversations. I always tell people to follow Audit the Audit on social media. Yeah, or police Police the Police.
1: And, uh, yeah, and it's, 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 uh, it's, if this story was given the same attention that other stories were that, that just, but this one doesn't have the same sort of, uh, knee jerk reaction to it as other ones do, we might actually be able to see progress because if this story had the same type of legs as like, um, what was his name? Uh, something Blake, the one guy who had the knife and he was getting in his car and he was shot.
0: Uh, uh, Jacob Blake.
1: Yeah, Jacob Blake. If this story had the remember. same legs together. as Jacob Blake, and then you post this photo of just this white guy, this guy who looks like a majority of the country, and you go, look, police killed him when he had a cry for help, you might get a lot more white people going, oh, fuck, yeah, our police do suck. Mm-hmm. It sucks that it has to come down to that. And, and I think that's, that's that was doing. really
0: my point when I talked about the race aspect is like, the fact that it's it's just it's just used as a meaningless weapon when it comes to For clicks. This, when it comes to this particular topic, right? Like I could just see like a Fox News or I would I would even go worse than Fox News, like a Breitbart on one of those like super far right publications. See, cops kill white people too. You know what I mean? Like just the way race is used in these fucking police narratives is so cringe. It's so gross.
1: Well, fuck those guys. They would be at the cross of Jesus Christ being killed and saying, well, he should have just obeyed the law.
0: (laughs) If he wasn't brown.
1: You know, if he just didn't fucking practice on the Sabbath.
0: Jesus was white.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Blonde-haired, brown-haired man with white skin in the middle of the Middle East.
0: Stop looking at me, white Jesus.
1: (laughs) But yeah, it's just, it's frustrating to me. It's like these stories get brushed under the rug. And it just continues to add fuel to the fire of the whole police conversation.
0: I'm with you, man. You ready to bounce?
1: I think I'm ready to bounce. You ready to bounce? I got to piss so bad. All right. Well, <laughs> Libservative Podcast is found on all social media and podcast platforms. Our website is podpage.com slash Libservative. We can be found at Libservative on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch, Instagram, and Twitter at Pod. And you can find our transcripts at libservative.podcast. or at WordPress.com. Our TikTok videos can be found at Libservative Podcast. and you can reach out directly at Libservativepod at gmail.com Subscribe today, give us a rating takes you a couple seconds, go on there and it, make it as creative as possible as long as it has five stars and we'll read it on the show and give you a shout out tell your friends where you heard this riveting conversation from your good friends Dan and Corey These two racists Uh yeah. No, no, not me.
0: <laughs> not to... Uh, You're over there
1: talking about brown professors. Yeah.
0: And... <laughs> Somebody's going to pull that for sure.
1: It's probably going to be, be me. Yeah. <laughs> uh probably And uh,
0: not to... Uh, I didn't want to forget that, uh, obviously, next week we have Thanksgiving. Uh, we are not going to be doing our regular... Uh, live stream uh, here on uh, Facebook, uh, Twitch and YouTube. But what we will have is a, uh, a special guest interview that Corey and I will be recording sometime next week. We've got a, a couple of gentlemen that we've been meaning to talk to for a long time. We do plan to get one of them. Uh, so please look for us uh, in the podcast. Who's plan. it gonna
1: be? Find out Ooh. next week.
0: Wh- one of them is a brown guy. Uh, <laughs> uh, so maybe look for the Do you YouTube video. Brown
1: University, or he's actually brown. <laughs> Dan. You'll have to wait and find out. <laughs> You'll have uh, to wait and find out. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, look for uh, look for the uh, YouTube video possibly, but uh, also download the podcast. It should be a, a fun conversation. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, a certain voting demographic in this country was one of them. And then the other one, yeah, we're basically just going to bullshit with. So uh, it's been a good run up to this Thanksgiving. We love you. He's been Corey
1: Walsh. And he's been Dan Griffin. it
0: has been Libservative. And we are out of here. Peace.
1: We the people cannot turn